If you don't have it, it's, it's behind me in case you're wondering. It says, ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Church, for a few moments this morning, if you'll bear with me, I want to talk about just waiting for the knock. Just waiting for the knock. You can be seated. Have you all ever prayed for a move of God or prayed for God to touch a situation in your life? And you ever, you ever sat there and just got on your knees, God, I need you to touch whatever I'm going through. God, I need you to move or whatever the situation it may be. And then it feels like it goes from bad to worse. From bad to where I don't know which way is up, which way is down, to I know good and well which way is down because I just went down. We've all done that. It looks like the more you pray, the worse it gets. But in those moments, we have to learn that a prayer is more than just kneeling down. Scripture tells us there is a strategy. When the disciples went before Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. He didn't say get on your knees and just start speaking. He had a very specific set of orders and instructions, and I'm not going to quote it this morning, but we all, we all should know it, the Lord's Prayer. <coughs> he set this very specific thing. Pastor Horn has actually broken down before the meaning of everything that he was saying. There's actually more to it than meets the eye. But the thing is, is that there's a strategy. There was a, a, a blueprint, a layout. Brother, when, you, when you're doing uh, pours, did you just... Go out there and go, ho-hum, this looks square enough to me, right? No. <laughs> he's, he's, he's looking at me like I'm stupid. <laughs> no, we don't. In fact, a lot of times they use what they call the Pythagorean theorem. When you're trying to get it perfectly square. Whenever we were building houses, we had to use the Pythagorean theorem to make sure our pores were square. Because if the foundation isn't square, if the foundation isn't exactly the way it needs to be, that blueprint that we had that we had to follow, those guides, we learned it pretty quick at the church over here. If it ain't to the exact specifications of what it needs to be, everything from there on goes awry. The foundation is important. And we use something called the Pythagorean theorem a lot of times. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. You make a triangle, and if the, if the long side of the triangle is the C squared of the A and B squared, we're doing math class today, everybody. Then you're, then you're better than likely to have a square foundation. There's a formula. The, 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 there's a specific set and a specific strategy you have to take to lay the foundation for what you're going to do forward. See, so you have to learn how to pray through your trials. See, it is, it is in this time that your faith level is going to be stretched. They always say, don't pray for patience because God's not going to give you the patience. He's going to give you the opportunity to exercise your patience. You start asking God to give you more faith in him. God, uh, I believe, but help my unbelief. You know, Lord, I don't know what's going on. That faith is going to start getting stretched. 
Many of y'all know the story. I actually told it again. It's, re- it's in my mind right now uh, of what happened to Hannah and I whenever we lost our house. That house burned down 100% because of me. Not because of the wiring. Not because of the, uh, anything done in the house. It was because of me. And I know this because God told me later. 100% my fault. You know why? Because I sat on that front porch that night before the fire, and I made a promise to God about our walk with my family going forward from that moment. I told God that if he gave me the opportunity to do what I want to do full-time, if he gave me the opportunity to do what I needed to do, that I promised him I would work hard at getting that church that's being built right now. I would work hard to reach the community, and I would do everything in my power going forward. Little did I know that the circumstances that were going to be required for me to get to that point started with my house being burned down. And when I say burned down, we mean burned down. Within less than a minute, that house was engulfed. My family got out literally in the nick of time. I just happened to smell smoke. We happened to fall asleep in the living room. We never fall asleep in the living room. My wife and I never, ever do that. We both just happened to be asleep in the living room. I just happened to smell smoke. I just happened to go straight to my daughter's room before it got to her room. Someone would call that luck. I would call that a divine plan. God took something from us, my, 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 my security, if you will. I had nothing to show for it. And for those of you who know my family, who knew us back then, also know that I was laid off six months prior to that. I had literally just found work right before that. I'd only been working for about a month. We, we were in so much debt. We were over our heads. We had nowhere to look <laughs> but up, so I thought. And I spent that day in that prayer right there on that, on that little stoop. And God burned my house to the ground. The next day, God told me that he did it. And I was like, God, why? I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on. And God said, you've just got to watch. A little bit of faith goes a long way, church. See, little did I know what I was asking for, what I was knocking for, was about to come to fruition. Little did I know that the blessings that God wanted to pour out to me were waiting for me to ask for it. Pastor Horn had almost, a, well, not almost, he literally had a near-death experience when I was a young child in Ohio. And I'm about to get back on this. I'm literally completely off my notes right now. That's scary for a preacher. We can go for a long time when we're not on our notes. Ask Brother Cobb. Sorry, God. I, I'm in one of those moods tonight, this morning, church. Please bear with me. <laughs> Amen. Pastor Horn almost died in a wreck. Was it a Geo Metro that you were driving at the time? Or was it a little Malibu? Honda Civic, basically the same thing. Plowed into because of one foggy morning by a semi. Literally, his car got so close that my dad said that his car went up on two wheels for no reason whatsoever. 
wasn't spending because of it or anything. Just went, went off on two wheels. Got so close that my dad said he remembered being able to look out the window and actually reach out and being able to touch the side view mirror of that semi. My dad was laid up. Couldn't, couldn't tell which way. His headaches were so bad, he couldn't tell which way was up and which way was down. We, we lived in a small little duplex in Ohio, Canal Fulton, Ohio. Small little community. Tiny, tiny little house, too. We only had one bathroom, and that bathroom was on the second story. I remember as a young kid, five, six, maybe seven years old at the time, having to walk behind my dad because he would get halfway up the stairs and forget which way to step. He couldn't remember if he was going up or if he was going down because his equilibrium was so far off, he didn't know which way to go. He fell down times prior. I had to literally walk behind him back to back and walk with him so he could keep going forward. My dad was so debilitated. He was so just basically comatose, if you will. He lived in a recliner. It was a very bleak picture. And d d don't take this the wrong way, church, but during that trial, I didn't really have a dad. Because my dad was going through something that was far more intense, far more divine, if you will, than any of us could have ever understood. See, God was doing something in my dad. And I, I'm sorry, Pastor Horn, for, for telling this story, but th th this needs to be said. He was going through something. God was trying to realign him back into the mission field. And he was put in, into a place where he was in so much pain, where he literally was taking pa pain medicine so strong that when he changed doctors, the doctor took him off immediately and panicked because he said the medicine was so strong that they literally, that this is stuff that they use in like China or whatnot, to literally sedate somebody and do amputations where they don't feel it. He said he literally could cut my dad's arm off and my dad would never have known it was missing. That's how strong this medication was. And my dad's headaches still prevailed over those medications. Church, my dad was going through this. Much like what we went through in our house. And I'm not even going to equate that because it, it wasn't even the same thing for him. It was much worse, I would think. that We at least had a family that took care of us. And we had friends who loved us and people that reached out to us. My family of five, we were pretty much alone at that time. My mom had to work, take care of us. My older sister, Andrea, she made breakfast for us. A lot of times our lunches when we went to school. She walked with me and Renee to the bus. We, we all three walked back from the bus together. We all three helped clean the house. We all helped three take care. It, us five really struggled at that time. And I'm telling you all of this to get to the point. Was there came a day when Pastor Horn was sitting in that chair I don't know, was it midnight, 2 in the morning, something like that? Middle of the night, let's just say that. Pitch black outside. Still too much light for him, by the way. And he got so angry that night, it finally took him getting to that point of being fed up where he wasn't willing to take another day. And he literally, he tells a story, and this is the reason I remember it so vividly, because he's been telling it, to, telling it to the family and telling it to the churches that we've evangelized to in this church over the years. He said he literally just picked a point at the, in, the, in the room and visualized the devil being there. And he told me that he called out to the devil. And I believe he gave him what, one, one week? Two weeks. 
This is, this is another thing you can learn from Brother Horn. God told him to, in two weeks, specifically two weeks. My father was in so much pain, he was in so much agony, he was so fed up that he became emboldened in the spirit. He looked the devil square between the eyes, if you will, and he said, devil, you got two more weeks. Give me your worst, because at the end of this two weeks, my God is going to heal me completely. Two weeks. You can do whatever you want to me. You can make me feel worse. You can take away my sight. You can do whatever you feel like. Because at the end of the two weeks, I will be better than I was before. I will be back at it. Church, those, those, those were the worst two weeks of his life. And ours, if you will. He was utterly miserable. He was so a point where he was actually wanting to go back to the pain he did have. Because he was in so much pain. But church, because he was willing to knock, because he was willing to speak, because he was willing to ask of God what he wanted of him, because he was willing to take that step and to boldly come before the Lord, he proclaimed two weeks. Church, I'll tell you to this day that my God healed my father exactly to the day. My dad, my dad on, on one week and six days was sitting in that chair completely miserable, completely unable to hold on a full conversation. But that next day, headaches were gone. He was able to walk. He was able to go up and down the stairs without getting confused in which way he was going. He was able to go outside in the sunlight. Church, you don't realize we had foil, we had towels, he had sunglasses on. That's how dark this room was. And he's walking out into the broad daylight, not even squinting. Church, that's the God that we serve. My dad could have easily sat there and said, why, God, why? And he may have. I, it's none of my business what, what he said to God other than that. But church, it took him to come boldly. He had to specifically lay out the exact same things. He told us the story that God told him the two weeks. My dad wouldn't have said two weeks. Trust me, I know my dad. He would have, he would have said the next, the next 30 minutes. My God told him two weeks. In two weeks it was. See, that's, that, that's the kind of God we serve. And, and church, I am completely off my nose, and I am so sorry about that, but I'm not sorry about what I'm telling you. I want this to sink in this morning. We often want to sit there and pray and look to God like, God, why am I here? I asked you to help me yesterday, and now today I, everything looks way worse. First mistake you make is you start comparing today to yesterday in regards to the prayer. You don't know what God's doing. I didn't know that God was going to bless us beyond measure with a home that I never in a trillion years ever imagined that I would even get to even walk into, let alone own. It wasn't me. It wasn't some great investment strategy that I had. It wasn't some pyramid scheme that I invested in. It was my God. It was the people that allowed God to use them to touch my family. I never would have been there. We would likely have still been in that house. 
we would likely have not really gotten any further than we had financially. I am here today 100% because God took away everything I had. I now have more. You want to talk about the story of Job? We want to use that story all the time and look at that and like, look what he did because he had the faith. But the problem is, is we all too often forget that even Job was sitting there going, God, what's going on? He never lost his faith. But he definitely lost perspective for a second. And then he catches himself and goes right back into it. Naked, <laughs> naked came out into this world, naked said, I leave. Easy come, easy go. So he's human. We've all been human. But if we follow the plan, if we speak boldly within his will, that's where God does his mighty works. When fire was called down from heaven on Mount Carmel, he, he wasn't sent there for that. Because they were walking in the will of God, because men and women walked in the will of God. You can list Bible, Bible characters all day long. Paul, Isaac, Abraham. These men walked with God. And many times they did things that they weren't even told to do. Because of their faith and the, their trust in him, and because they aligned themselves with his word, when they were knocking, when they were asking, when they were seeking the provision, God touched them. God moved in their lives. You want to have God move in your life? You want to have God touch that trial that you're going through? You want to have God open your eyes a little more to see his will in your life? you got to check yourself and make sure that you are in line with him. Are we knocking on the right door? Am I looking in the right window? Am I asking the right questions? What am I doing to get my answer? What am I doing? See, Proverbs 8 and 17 says this. I love those who love me. And those who seek, who seek me. And this is my favorite bar, Brother Cobb. <laughs> He's smiling back there. He knows where I'm going. He said those who seek me. And he didn't say those who seek me when it's convenient. For those of you who don't know the scripture, he says those who seek me diligently. For young people that don't know what diligent means, it means seek me every day, every moment. When I, don't, when I don't even feel like looking in the Bible, I'm looking for his word. I'm looking for his command. I'm looking for his guidance. I am diligent. I am concise. I am intentional in everything I do for God. But he say, those who seek me diligently will then find me. I added the then, but will find me. See, in order for us to seek God diligently, he's waiting for that knock, okay, church? It's not on him, it's on us. You want to know the reason that the knock isn't going open? We're knocking on too many doors in this earth. 
We're like, you know what, God? You know, I, I trust you. Just, just hold on there, okay? Wait a minute. Let me go, let me go check this one. Okay, well, that, that didn't work. Let me go over here. God, I'll be right there, God. Don't worry about it. I'm coming, God. Just wait one minute. Knock, knock, knock. Oh, goodness, okay. Let's go over here. God, I'm coming. Don't worry about it, God. I'm going I'm to go ask this second cousin's dog's owner, old friend's neighbor over here that I've met, I met one time on Facebook. Let me go ask them if they can help me out with, with the trial I'm going through. Okay, God, I'm going to go over here and look, look over here. Oh, look, it's helping. Oh, no, it's not. And God's sitting there going, all I'm doing is waiting for you to knock. All I'm waiting for is for you to come to me. You want to know why God's not moving in your life? What are you putting before him? What are you having to walk through by the time you get to him? Sometimes we get a little too tired to pray to God. Well, what did you do before you got that tired? Well, I, I worked. Okay, understandably. I got home. I sat down. <laughs> Scroll on Facebook. <laughs> Watch YouTube, watch TV. Then I went and hung out with some friends, and then I went out to eat again, and I went and go did this. And then when I got home, I was just too tired, you know? So I, I did my little, now I lay me down to sleep, and I went to bed. And then I got up the next morning wondering, why, God, have you not touched my life? I asked you last night in the last 30 seconds that I prayed. Scripture says, those who seek me diligently will find me. Those who put me first, those who put me above any other name, those who put me above any other idol and say that, God, you are the one that I am looking through. My father didn't get healed because he kept going to the doctors. The doctors had no answer for him. The doctors had no, no opportunity to move in him. It was until he was able to say, not my will, but thy will. We've all been through them. Brother Kyle could probably tell us many stories. Brother Chris, you could probably tell us similar stories as well. Maybe not health related. Maybe it's financially. Maybe it's relationship. Maybe it's just personal in your mind. Depression, whatever it may be. Many people have gone through their own trials. And they talk about making a mountain out of a molehill. Well, that molehill is pretty big to the mole. It's all about the perspective. We all go through them. Your walk with God often ref is reflective of the trials that you had to go through to get that walk with God. You see a man or a woman who are really, really close to God? Brother J.H. Osborne, great example. One of the most soul winningest men all over the world. I believe he's been to almost every country that we have a missionary in and has preached at almost every single one. He has reached thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And even to this day, he's still living and breathing. He's old. He, he, he could have stopped. He could have said, you know, my time is done, Lord. I've done my work. But to this day, he is still outreaching souls. And people look at him and go, man, one day I want to be like him. But he himself had to go through trials. He himself had to go through moments that molded him, <coughs> that even broke him. You know how they make pure gold? They take that raw gold, throw it into the hottest fire they can make, boil the snot out of it, if you will. And all those impurities come straight to the top. 
and then they wipe them away. That gold was the same amount of gold. The gold that was in that in there before they threw it into the fire, and I know I'm just going on and on and on and on. I, I, I'm all over the page this morning, but I can't help it. I'm trying to go back, and I, I keep getting pulled away. That gold, there was no more, no less when they, got, when they, when they threw it into that furnace. None. But the amazing thing is, is once it's been purified, it all of a sudden becomes way more valuable. Way more valuable. But it has to literally be broken down to almost a molecular level. That big, ugly, giant rock, if you've ever seen it come out of the earth, it, is not, it does not come out in, 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 in cube bouillon shapes. <laughs> It does not come out looking, looking perfectly rectangular. It'd be pretty cool if it did, though. It doesn't come out like that. It's raw. It's rough. It's got jagged edges. It, it's just a stone. But then it gets melted. Church, we are an impure people. We all have our own jagged edges. We all have the wealth of God you know, in our own lives that, that might have some spots that we try to hide. You know, oh, let me turn it this way so you can see the good side. But all God wants to do is take you. <laughs> Walk, you know, listen, bear with me here on this. He wants to take you, and he wants to break you. You literally have to be boiled down to not what you are, but to what you could be. See, when you're in that liquid state, we all know, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just on school today, I guess. We're getting close to the end of school. I guess I'm getting my, my, my school head on right now. We all know that a liquid takes on the form of whatever it's in. Isn't that right, Brother Horn? A solid may not. You throw a rock in there, it, it, it ain't going to change its shape. It's just going to sit there. There will be a lot of air gaps. You're not going to be able to be fully filled. But when it becomes a liquid, it fills up the entire form there's no voids. There's no air gaps. There's no room for anything to get in the way. It is 100% nothing but gold. All those nasty things, all those horrible things, they were hiding inside the gold. There ain't no hiding them anymore. They are completely in the open. So much in the open that they take the entire top layer. But see, when God can break you, when God can take you to a point where you have nowhere else to turn to. See, church, we, we want to get to that point where God is the number one in our life. Well, whenever we get there, we have to go through a trial not so much different than Job. Job was going through it because God knew he could do it. Scripture tells us that he's not going to give us any more than we can handle. We are not going to go through something we can't deal with. But we're going to go through something that takes us right to the line. God's going to go, okay, you can handle this right here. So I'm going to give you right here. He's going to take you straight to the hilt where you think that you are about to break. Because he wants you at that point where you feel like, God, I cannot go any farther, any other direction. I have looked here. I have looked there. I only have you. 
I only have your deliverance. I only have your anointing. I only have your guidance, your way. I will trust you because I have nothing else to turn to. I will look to you. So bad. We're basically being trained. You have to go through those things. So that next time, when you get a little bit of a headache, if you will, when you get a little bit of a financial situation or, or a s even a bad decision, you can look at that and know exactly where you need to go. You can look at that and say, you know what? I'm not even going to trouble myself with that loan. I'm not even going to trouble myself with going to talk to that banker. I'm not even going to trouble myself with going and talking to my friends or asking that neighbor or asking that doctor. I'm going to go straight to the throne room of God. I am going to go straight to God and ask him what he wants in my life. I'm going to ask him what's going on with my trial. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to knock on that door. I'm going to be looking for his anointing. Because God's word does not return void. I promise you, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. We can't refuse to answer what he has given us. My dad, my family, we couldn't have got to where we are today if we hadn't gone through those. I probably wouldn't have learned some of the lessons when it came to having faith in God that I learned going through that if I hadn't have gone through all of that. If I only had a couple hiccups here and there or even just, just a little bit of a financial situation but it all worked out in the end, I wouldn't have learned the amount <laughs> that I needed to learn. Everything that we go through is for a reason. Sometimes it's the devil. Sometimes it's our own bad decisions. And sometimes it's God just trying to answer our questions. Sometimes it's God just trying to get us ready for when that door is knocked on. He's trying to get us prepared for the blessings that he's going to put in our lives. Because I know I've said it before, God doesn't give us anything we can't handle. But he's not going to bless us with a blessing that we're not able to handle ourselves either. Some people can't handle some blessings. There are some, some freedoms and so, so, some deliverances that are put in people's lives that they may not be able to handle if they were truly given them by God. God doesn't give us what we can't handle. And sometimes he has to break us. Sometimes he has to mold us. Sometimes he has to move us to where we go while he's waiting for the knock. And this is the last thing I'm going to say right here. I think we've heard the story, hopefully before, a few people have heard the story at least, of, of, of a man who in a dream God told him to go every morning to go out and push against this immovable rock. In the story, God didn't tell him it was immovable, but God told him to go push against a rock. And out of obedience, the man went out 
and he pushed. And he pushed and he pushed every morning. And though he pushed against it every day, the rock did not budge. So he kept going at it again. It didn't move. And he finally one day asked the Lord, what's going on? Why am I doing this? I have been pushing against the rock for weeks, and it hadn't even moved an inch. What are you up to? But God responded to the man and says, look, I told you to push against the rock. I never told you to move it. I told you to push up against that immovable object, that thing that could not be taken out of the way, but I never told you you were going to move it. And he said, he told him, look, I'm the only one that can move this rock. I'm the only one that can get that out of your way. I'm the only one who can take it out of your way when you are ready. And when you are ready, I will move it. I will move it. God told the man, look at your arms. The guy looked down at his arms and he, that had been fruitless. And he discovered that while he was doing this, he gained strength that he had never had before. Pushing the rock was a part of his process. This was a fictional little parable that was told. But this man pushed against the rock day in and day out. And I, I'm closing with this, I promise. I, I'm literally finishing up right now. But Mike, that man in that story, how many of us have that rock in our lives right now? How many of us are pushing against the rock that God told us to push against? How many of us are just following God in obedience, saying every day, okay, Lord, I'll try again. And all the time, God's saying, you're not supposed to be the one that moves it. You're not supposed to be the one that makes it go away. I am the one that's going to take care of it. All I need you to do is to get prepared for the responsibility that comes when I give it. I want you to be stronger. I want you to be ready. I want you to have a better walk with me. I want you to be more spiritually determined. I want you to have a stronger faith in me. So that next time you come up to this immovable object, you won't even think about having to push against it. Next time you walk up to whatever the situation is that you can't get out, you won't even think about trying to put your arms or your legs or your back into it. And you're going to go straight to me, the only one, the only way to move the rock. We have to appreciate the process. Because... Through the process, this is off, I promise. Through the process, we gain our strength. And I, I don't know what any everyone's going through in this church. I don't know what trials anyone's got going on right now. I don't know the gossip. <laughs> 
But church, we all have that immovable thing, whatever it may be in our lives. And God's just telling us, appreciate the process. There's a reason you don't know the big picture. You don't know what's going on because I need you to be ready for what I'm going to do for you. It may not be happy. It may not be comfortable. It may not be easy. It may be hard on your body. But there is a reason and a purpose for every process that God puts us into. These altars are open this morning. I'm done, I promise. This microphone's about to go to Pastor Horn's hands. But church, if you want to come out of where you're at, if you want to go beyond where you are today, if you want to be able to look at your trial and say, get out of my way, you have to be prepared for the consequences. You have to be prepared for the benefits. You have to be prepared for what God is about to send you through or whatever he is sending you through. And the only way to be prepared is through his word and is through the altar of God. Like that pure gold, when we get down to the molten level, when we get down to the liquid level, God can form us. But we still have to be willing to take all the impurities. We still have to be willing to take all those things, all those idols that have now come to the top, all those things that are keeping us from going to the next level to becoming that of more value. We have to take it to be cleaned off. And that is only done one way. There's not more than one way to God, church. I think Oprah Winfrey was quoted many, many years ago about saying there's more pathways to heaven than one. I dare you to show me. One way. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. There's only one way that we can receive forgiveness for our sins, and that is from the blood that he shed. That is from the veil that he had torn. But we have to take it to the distance. We have to take it to the altar. We have to take it to be wiped away, to be cleansed, to be gone, to be washed from our lives so that we can come back as pure gold with no blemishes. Church, this morning these altars are open. I urge you, do not go home this morning without having taken the opportunity to go on through a little bit of God's process. Without having the opportunity to take a little bit of time this morning, whatever it may be, to wipe away some of those idols, to wipe away some of those things that are hindering you from God. Amen. Thank you this morning. knock on your door this morning. Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Why don't you knock on God?